Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. We are extremely pleased to be joined by Antonio, also known as Why We Disney on Instagram. On that Instagram account, Antonio posts absolutely gorgeous photos of Walt Disney World with a focus on the parks and resorts. We are eager to talk to Antonio to learn more about the Instagram account and to talk all things Disney. Antonio, welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. Great to have you on the show. We've been looking forward to this. Uh, why don't we begin the episode by uh, having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Antonio? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Antonio. I'm 26 years old. old. I'm a avid goer of uh, Disney World Parks. I love all things Disney, movies, media. I am a financial analyst as a profession. I live in New York, Long Island, New York. So, Antonio, let me ask you this question because you mentioned you're a fan of all things Disney. Yeah. Tomorrow is a major day for fans of Disney movies. Toy Story 4 is opening up in the Mm -hmm. evening. Are you going to be seeing that this weekend? Uh, This weekend, hopefully. I've been trying to get some friends together. Yes. Uh, We had some plans to see it on Friday night. We're a little busy. Hopefully, I see it uh, this weekend. If not, definitely next weekend. Yes, yes. It's a must-see movie. I'm very excited for it. And their mm-hmm. early reviews have been just phenomenal. So it's gonna Oh, be- yeah. Last, last I checked, I think it was 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. You never see that nowadays. That's unheard yeah. of. So yeah. good for Pixar, good for Disney, and uh, I'm very excited to see that. So mm-hmm. eager to hear what you think when you do see it. Yeah. Uh, before we get to our interview with Antonio... Uh, I just wanted to talk about some of the recent news from Walt Disney World, in particular the news that broke yesterday about the price increases for annual pass holders, yesterday being June 18th, 2019. To give a little bit of background on this, earlier this year, Disneyland raised the annual pass prices in anticipation of the opening of Galaxy's Edge. So I think for the Walt Disney World pass holders, we knew that something similar would take place. The increases were announced yesterday. And I think what surprised some people was not so much that the prices went up, but the amount that they went up. So, for example, just looking at a Disney Platinum annual pass for non-Florida residents, that went up $225 from $894 to $1,119. If you're a Florida resident, it went up $150 to $899. Uh, If you want the Premier Passport, which gives you access to Walt Disney World and Disneyland, you're now going to be paying over $2,000 a year for that. I won't go through all the price increases, but uh, needless to say, they were all pretty significant. Uh, Antonio, I want your reaction to this news. Did it surprise you? Did the amount of the increase surprise you? And how do you think this is going to affect uh, current annual pass holders and whether or not they'll renew? Well, a price increase didn't really surprise me. This happens pretty much every year. I know, I think it was the same day vacation packages just opened up for 2020 yes um which is of course not a coincidence um the amount did kind of surprise me though it was significant amounts 200 some odd dollars for you know annual pass uh of an increase and all of it definitely has to do with the galaxy's edge opening up at the end of august how much it would affect the amount of uh, annual pass holders, I think we'll have to wait and see. You really have to do the math on this one. I still think it's worth it for the most part if you're going, say, 10 days or more. I was checking out the prices for Disney World tickets, and now it's sorted by date and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I found on average, if you're taking about two, let's say, six-day vacations, a six-day park ticket, that's going to add up to about 500 and change, like 550 or so. Right. And add that together, that's already $1,100 right. um, for a park hopper. If you're thinking about the Platinum Plus, now you got the water parks added in as well. Sure. So it really just depends how much you're going. I still think it holds true if you're going about two weeks, 10 days plus. Uh, mathematically, it still makes sense. But uh, this definitely, with this huge increase, it definitely leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. And Yeah. People are it, disappointed. I've, I, I'm active, obviously, on Twitter in the uh, Diz Twitter, as it's known. And the reaction was pretty negative. I think people were turned off by the extent of the price increases. I did see a couple of people say that it's just gotten too expensive for them and they're going to be going to the parks less frequently. But but I I agree with you uh, in that if you are going to be in the parks for a certain amount of time per year, despite the price increase, it still makes financial sense to get the annual pass. Mm-hmm. Plus, of course, you get the extra perks associated with that, like the free parking in the parks and the discounts on merchandise and meals. 
plus, I guess you get access to the Tables in Wonderland card, right? Only annual pass holders can buy that. Is that correct? Or um, I believe so. Yeah, you get access to Tables in Wonderland. Right. On top of that, you get annual pass discount. You get that. You get the newsletter in the mail that that, <laughs> that gets you excited for your upcoming Disney trip. But mm. anyhow, uh, it, it is a big increase. Uh, you know, yeah. it's interesting because we can never tell anyone what to spend their own money on and how to spend their money. But you, when you look at what things cost in the world and you line it up against Disney, it's not necessarily shocking. I, I have a friend who went with his wife last weekend to see Hamilton on Broadway, mm. paid face value for the tickets, and it was $350 a ticket. So right there, that's 700 bucks for a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour Broadway show. Uh-huh. And, you know, perhaps if you're a Hamilton fan and a Disney fan, you say, okay, I'll, I'll just listen to the soundtrack uh, on Apple Music and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to the theme parks instead. But again, it's a personal call. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 it's big news. I think that it, it's going to be tough for the average person in the short term to see firsthand how much of an impact it's going to have on the parks because – I think Galaxy's Edge is going to be packed one way or another. So it's not like you're going to go into Galaxy's Edge and say, oh, no more pass holders. It's not going to be like that. But uh, it's going to be something that's interesting to pay attention to. Galaxy's Edge, like you said, is going to be super packed no matter what the annual pass prices are. Yes. But here's something interesting that I feel like nobody's talking about Mm -hmm. right now. Kind of related to annual pass, just related to deals at Disney itself. Mm -hmm. Now with the opening of Galaxy's Edge, I think Disney World anticipated a huge crowd, obviously, to come in. And we haven't seen any announcement for free dining, right? which uh, we've seen, obviously, over the last few years. Um, I don't expect there to be an announcement now. Usually, you hear about it by the end of April, May-ish. And I find that interesting because I think a lot of people are avoiding uh, late summer, fall, just because of the whole Galaxy's Edge hype, and they don't want to deal with those crowds. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something that I'm also really interested to see how that plays out, like whether... We may see some order, uh, some other deals going on for the fall, uh, perhaps a room discount again that you normally yeah. pairs with free dining. You know, it's interesting. I was listening earlier today to the Diz Unplugged podcast, and oh. they host a travel agency. That they mm-hmm. not host it, they are a travel agency as well. Dreams on a bit of travel, and uh-huh. they were talking. If I understood correctly, because I wasn't really focusing, I had it on while I was doing work, so it's kind of like background listening. Yeah. I hope that our audience is not listening to our show that way. <laughs> if you're listening, do, drop everything you're doing and focus, please. But um, what I, I believe they were saying is that they think, as you just pointed out, it's very significant that the free dining plan was not announced. Mm-hmm. And this host in particular did not think they were going to come out at this point with a free dining plan. Okay. He predicted that we may see passholder room discounts later on this year, but he also indicated that 2020 seems to be selling well, that perhaps there is a large contingent of people who are avoiding booking Disney World trips later this summer because of the Galaxy's Edge opening and into the early fall and are pushing it back to 2020. So again, we're going to see how this all plays out. To me, what I'm very interested in, uh, as I'm sure you know, when Disneyland opened Galaxy's Edge, it was last week, two weeks ago, they had these four-hour blocks. Mm Mm-hmm. And from everything I've heard from people that were out there, it was a very smooth process. Everything went very well. It got me thinking, is Disney World going to do the same thing when Galaxy's Edge opens? And I don't think they will. I don't think they're even capable of doing it because Disney World is so much more massive than mm. Disneyland in terms of hotels and number of guests. So it's, I think it's possible we may see a little bit of mayhem over the first <laughs> few days. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not a complete free-for-all. Which I think it may, I mean, Pandora even was super packed with those long waits over Memorial Day weekend when it first opened. Yes. Um, but Disneyland, from what I hear, uh, did a brilliant job with how they handled uh, the Galaxy's Edge opening. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, continue to do well. I've he- heard the parks have been uh, pretty empty, aside from Galaxy's Edge, of course. From what I understand, their reservation process, everybody who had a reservation on site with a Disneyland resort had uh, a reservation into Galaxy's Edge. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. That's very that's cool. That's what I read. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I believe that's how it happened. Right. Or at least they were guaranteed a spot. I don't know if that sort of reservation process would work well at Disney World. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering the amount of locals that go into Disneyland, it's a, right. it's a completely different ratio. People come from all over the world to come to Disney World, and many of which stay on property. So if everybody were to get a reservation or a time slot... <laughs> For Galaxy's Edge, it's the same amount of mayhem you were going to get. Especially <laughs> because they're now giving the Disney Park 
hotel perks to the Disney Springs hotels and some of the other. Yeah, I'm hoping there's some sort of plan in place. From what I know, we haven't really heard of anything particularly. Um, it's, it's not looking good, by the way. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not looking good. I think, no. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. I would love it if they did come out with some type of plan. But I, I just, I, I'm, I have a feeling we're going to be on Twitter August 29th when Galaxy's Edge opens. And I mean, just like Hagrid at Universal, the Hagrid roller yeah. coaster the other day had 12 hour waits and some people didn't even get right. on the ride. I think yeah. we're going to see things like that at Galaxy's Edge, which, which is frustrating, but also kind of exciting at the same time, <laughs> which I, I know our audience understands as Disney mm-hmm. fans. Anyhow, Antonio, let's turn now to uh, the heart of this episode, which is our interview with you, because you're a really interesting guy and a big Disney fan, and you run what to me is an absolutely uh, beautiful Instagram account. That's, again, Why We Disney on Instagram. If you go there, one of the things that'll strike you right away is the, uh, as I said in the opening, the beauty of the photos the variety of the photo locations. And it's like looking through a um, high quality travel magazine. That's really what I feel like uh-huh. when I look at your photos. They're, they're, they're beautiful. And the first question I wanted to ask you is why Disney? We're all Disney fans, but for you, what is it about Disney and Disney World that has fascinated you and has made you a fan for so many years? Like many of your listeners, I'm sure, and probably you, I've been watching Disney movies since I was young. I mean, mm-hmm. my parents introduced me. Some of my favorites were. Uh, Dumbo and Hercules mm-hmm. when it first came out. I loved Dumbo as a kid. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I watched it all the time. But uh, that's what started getting me into Disney. Although, if you were to ask me back in middle school, high school, or even even now, um, when I really started going regularly to the parks, mm-hmm. I was more of a Disney World fan than I was of a Disney fan. And to kind of understand that, it, it may sound weird, but Maybe we could take like Disney out of the equation right now. Just talk mm-hmm. about the world part, sure, and what this world actually encompasses mm-hmm. as a vacation destination. Right, it's this huge plot of land. You got uh, forty, I believe it's forty-three square miles, mm-hmm. some, somewhere around twice the size of Manhattan. Right, filled with twenty-some odd resorts. If, if you include the uh, non-Disney resorts and DVC separate, then you got like forty-something resorts. Right. Four theme parks, two water parks, a whole shopping <laughs> Disney Springs area with entertainment, and all this stimuli just packed in this 43 square mile location, all put together for your enjoyment and for mm-hmm. your entertainment. And it was such a like amazing place to visit and to see. And on top of that, putting Disney back in, seeing some of my you know, favorite Disney characters. Sure. Uh, in the flesh, you know, as opposed to on a screen. And to me, it's just the ultimate vacation destination. It doesn't seem like there's any other place in the world that's like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Imagining uh, a place somewhere else in the world that has, like, such a condensed population of resorts, each with their own theming, and uh, it's it's amazing. I find it amazing. Yes. I was I got more and more interested as I visited more and more over the years, and realize that no matter how much I go, I can always find something new to do, something new to discover that excites me, excites my family. It's interesting the way that you say separate Disney from the world to help understand what it is you came to love about Disney, because I know exactly what you mean. I think for many people that are not fans of Disney World or think it's only for little kids, one of the things that they will say is, well, why do you go to Disney World all the time? You know, what's the, what's the point? You're not a little kid. I've heard that. People say that to me for sure. Right. Uh, and what these people don't know is just how much there is to do in Disney World that has nothing to do with the traditions of Disney. You know, mm-hmm. I was watching with my wife a, a video of Disney Springs, which we love. Every trip we go there multiple times. And there are so many high-end, nice, good restaurants there. Absolutely. That people would not even think exist in Disney World. Mm. That uh, it's 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 even hard for us to believe that there's so much to do there. So I get yeah. I get where you're coming from. And then of course, if you are a Disney fan, when you work everything that you love about the Disney Company into that location, <laughs> it's perfect. Of course, it's, it's a great place. There there is so much to do. I, I agree. I've never seen any place like it. Uh, I've always kind of been fascinated with hotels and resorts, and from that perspective alone. Disney World is great. And then when yeah. you work into the theme park, and if you're a fan of the parks, I think you become interested in the history of the uh, of Walt Disney World. And it all uh-huh. kind of ties together to develop your admiration for uh, 
for Disney. Yeah. You kind of alluded to this a second ago, Antonio, but uh, how, how long have you been visiting the parks and how often do you go per year to Walt Disney World? Well, my first visit was when I was two years old. I don't remember that much <laughs> <laughs> from that visit. Apparently, my first Disney resort was uh, Port Orleans Riverside. That's what my okay. parents tell me. After that, there was a little break. And then later on in elementary schools, when we started going once per year, mm-hmm. about um, maybe skipping a couple of years uh, here or there. But more recently, now the past two years, I'm going multiple times, two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just can't get enough. I want to get more photos. <laughs> yeah. Do you find it hard living in New York, not being near Disney World? I mean, New York is close. I mean, you are lucky in the sense that there are so many flights per day from the New York area to Florida and Orlando in particular. But when you leave a Disney World trip, are you sad? How do, do you have a, what's the phrase? A Disney, I forget, withdrawal, Disney withdrawal. Do you suffer from that? Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> I, I, my theory is, and from what I hear, people go much more than me. Every time you leave Disney, it's the same feeling every time, no matter how, yes. how many times you go. Like, even when I'm on that Magical Express bus, like, I haven't even left the property yet, but I'm just stepping on that bus and I'm just like, sad face. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm missing it already, and uh, it's just um, it's just amazing. You know, I, I want to be there all the time. I can't be there all the time, unfortunately. Sure. But York is pretty close. I mean, it's a quick flight away. It's about two and a half hours from where I am. Right. I wouldn't want to pay for a flight like every weekend because that get really expensive. Yes. <laughs> but um, as far as distance, yeah, it's not too far. Just a quick flight. Uh, I'm definitely able to go multiple times a year, which I'm very thankful for. Curiosity, do, have you been to any of the parties like Mickey's Not So Scary or uh, the Christmas party? Do you go to those? Yeah, so I went to, I've been to each one once. Okay. So before we really hadn't gone uh, during those uh, holiday season, uh, we normally went summer, late summer, uh, late spring. But yeah, I recently went to Mickey's not so scary Halloween party mm-hmm. a couple years ago. I forget exactly which year it was now, maybe two years ago. Right. And I did the uh, very Merry Christmas party actually this past November, mm-hmm. right after Thanksgiving. Love them both. Right. If I had to pick one over the other, probably I, I might give the edge to the Christmas party. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think that has a lot to do with just the other festivities going on, maybe not just in the party, but how much the other parks and the resorts participate Yes, uh, in the holiday season. Because one of my favorite things to do during the holiday season is the uh, resort hop and just see all the Christmas decorations. Totally. Gingerbread houses. And uh, that's what gives it the edge. I love Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Boo to You Parade is, yeah, I'd say it's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. As of right now, that could change next week. When did you uh, begin taking such high quality photos of Walt Disney World? So I actually really didn't take much photos until literally last year Okay. when I, when I started my page. <laughs> I had, and I think we may get into this like a little later, but um, I had an idea to put together an Instagram page, and for that I needed some photos. Mm-hmm. Originally my first few photos, you see maybe the first month or so, all those photos were taken just like some photos I happened to take from my phone mm-hmm. of different areas. I didn't take much. I went back in July of last year, which was about a month and a half after I had gone prior mm-hmm. for a week in July. Solely, my main focus was just to take a bunch of photos for this page. And I didn't even have like a high quality camera or anything like that. So I, my friend allowed me to borrow his DSLR, nice, his Canon uh, for the week. And I was able to take some uh, nice photos with those. It became... A love that I didn't expect. I really enjoy taking photos. I really enjoy photography now. Now I'm taking it more and more. That's great. Of Disney parks. But yeah, before last year, before I even started this Instagram page, I, maybe I would take a few of my family or maybe a couple of the castle or something. Right. For the Instagram page, it's it's something that I, I wish I had done sooner. I'd take a bunch of photos. It's something that excites me. It brings a new dynamic into visiting Walt Disney World. For sure. For sure. And what equipment do you use now to take those photos? So I use a, a Canon Rebel T6, Okay. which uh, the main reason for me getting that particular camera is because uh, the camera that my, I borrowed from my friend was a T5. <laughs> so I, would, I had grown used to it. It was attached to my, my back. I had a backpack, so it was attached to me for a week straight. Right. And uh, I got so comfortable with the camera. I'm like, okay, let me just buy the next model up. Yeah, so I use a T6. 
very comfortable with that one. Haven't really used any other camera. <laughs> it's a good camera, the T6. I, yeah. I don't have it, but I know people that do, and they, they speak very highly of it. Uh, so Antonio, your Instagram account is really great, and it has over 20,000 followers, which is a massive number. I wanted to ask you, how have you built up such a large following on Instagram? Well, um, when I first started, I spent a lot of time on it, or even before I had the idea. So I, I originally came up with the idea of Instagram uh, about maybe a day after I returned back from my uh, May 2018 trip. Yes. I was like, you know, it would be a good idea. I really wanted to share my Disney World knowledge with the public. I know like back at work um, and my friends, they all know how knowledgeable I am and, and how, how much I love Disney World. And they, they love to hear what I have to say about it. I'm like, okay, maybe – I can bring this knowledge to the masses, you know? And um, I decided Instagram was a good way mm -hmm. to go about that. I can, you know, post up photos and write some informational captions, as yes. I like to do. Yeah, I had the idea to start it about right after I returned. I did a lot of research ahead of time. So it took me about a week from, like, idea to the start of the page. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of research because I wanted to reach as many people as I could. And I did a lot of research on how I can grow an audience, uh, the Instagram algorithm and all that. I found a lot of success in two things. Well, two things and then a third thing. Mm -hmm. So uh, first thing, I was very active in the community, more so when I started, a little less now. But what I mean by that is I would go to bigger Disney Instagram pages, huge ones, not so huge, but still large in their own right. And I would you know, comment on their posts, like their photos. And that would get me a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. Just seeing, okay, why we Disney, why we Disney, why we Disney over and over again for people who follow these larger pages. Mm -hmm. And I try to provide like information in those little comments as well. Just, you know, little tidbits of uh, tips and whatnot. And um, another thing I did was figure out hashtag science, I guess. I found yeah. a lot of success in hashtags. That's a, that's a science right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I saw this one video where they advised uh, kind of a stacking strategy. Uh, the idea is to try to get into the top photos when you search a hashtag. And you have to be honest and figure out, okay, uh, how popular of a hashtag can I get to be featured in the top and and originally it would be you know really small hashtags that have maybe uh 10,000 posts attached to it which is like really small mm -hmm. um but as you grow and grow you stack it so you use a smaller hashtag stack with slightly larger hashtags stack with the largest of hashtags and what that does is once you gain popularity in the smaller ones mm -hmm. The larger hashtags will say, okay, Instagram will say, oh, it's doing well in this hashtag. Let's put it on the top in this slightly higher hashtag. And then you stack and you climb up the steps and eventually you get into these really large, you know, hundreds of thousands of post hashtags, maybe even a million hashtags, and you get a lot of exposure that way. Mm -hmm. So those two things, uh, the idea was just to gain <laughs> as much exposure as I could. Now, once I get exposure, now I have to give people a reason to follow, a reason to stay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I could get all the exposure I want, but uh, they're not going to stay if they don't like what I'm providing. That's when I decided to go back in July, about a month later. I, I want a lot more photos, and I want it to be as high quality as I can make it. So yeah, I borrowed my friend's camera and tried taking these high-quality photos, and I'm glad that's worked out, uh, as well as providing these informational uh, captions. Yes. Uh, first off, that was fascinating. I mean, that was really interesting to hear how you developed, <clears throat> excuse me, the Instagram following. It's really remarkable. And I think we all could learn lessons from that. So for mm -hmm. example, I have, uh, as we're talking, I have on my phone here, your yeah. most recent Instagram post on why we Disney. It's a picture of the China Pavilion over at Epcot World Showcase. Mm -hmm. And it's a great photo. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful. And then what you go on to say in the captions are details about the pavilion, your thoughts about the food options, uh, the stores and so forth. So it's almost like on one hand, you're getting a great picture, but you're also increasing your Disney World knowledge at the same time. Yesterday, I guess it was, you had a post in which, which was a photo from Walt Disney World, a great photo as always, <laughs> and your caption was the news about the annual 
pass holder increases. When you go to your page, you're able to not just aesthetically see great photos, but also catch up to date on what's going on in the world of Disney news and also enhance your understanding of the parks, which is very unique and very special. So uh, Disney fans and your followers, I I guarantee you, thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, another idea. Like I didn't want to just take photos of Disney, which is, you know, there are plenty of better photographers than I in the Disney realm. I I follow you myself. You're great. (laughs) But um, I, I wanted a way to distinguish myself and, the whole idea with the Instagram page was me providing my knowledge of the parks and I wanted to share that knowledge with the world. And when people, people pay a lot to go to a Disney vacation and I want them to get the most out of their vacation and have the best time they can. So I talk about as much as I know with everything and anything they could possibly encounter. Sure. Sure. Again, that's why we Disney on Instagram. All of your, all of our listeners should, should follow you on there. I I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite parts of the park to photograph? The castle's obvious. Sure. (laughs) Sure. I feel like the castle looks great in any angle, any angle. Uh, And there's always new angles. Every trip you could discover a new (laughs) angle, new, a new photo opportunity. Yeah. I mean, my favorite, which I think is a pretty popular spot uh, for Disney photographers is the bridge leading to Liberty square. Yes. Because you get, I, I don't know if the <laughs> the water is filled up yet. Last time I was there, they they were emptying out the moat because of the construction. Right. But uh, you get the reflection on the water, and it, it's just a beautiful sight to see. That's one of my favorite spots. Um, yes. Ironically, China Pavilion is one of my favorite spots also uh, to post. I have a lot of uh, World Showcase Wednesdays with China involved, and I just love the design of it. I love the color. Mm-hmm. It's so vibrant. I like uh, having colorful vibrant photos right uh, eye popping the art of animation is a resort that i really like to uh it's interesting you could do some cool things with the art of animation i have one post some some point last year i think i posted it of king triton mm-hmm. and prince eric so obviously in the little mermaid section uh they have these larger than life characters yes. all around uh, i mean art of animation is like a mini theme park for children especially who love <laughs> disney it's great to for walk sure. around in this particular angle, you can have the characters like interact with each other <laughs> in the photo. So in this particular angle, we had the Prince Eric statue that you see in the film mm-hmm. where he's kneeling with the sword beside him. Oh, yes. Up. Yeah. He was looking up right at King Triton, who was looking down at him, holding his Triton, making it look like he was about to destroy the statue like he does in the film. Spoiler alert. No, it's not spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too late. It's too, <laughs> if, if you haven't seen it, it's – yeah. Yeah, so – um. It was kind of cool. If the, if the new Spider-Man movie could spoil, if the trailer for that could spoil the Avengers, we could certainly spoil the Little Mermaid <laughs> here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think it's been out long enough. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool to figure out certain angles where you can get the characters to interact with each other like that. Yeah. Another section, Cars Land. It's the closest Cars Land. <laughs> it's the closest thing we get to Cars Land. Anyway. I knew what you were talking about. I, <laughs> I, the, I understood. Yeah, with Radiator Springs in the Cars section. Right. Um, so that's another place I, I love taking photos. Art and animation is great. Yes. World Showcase. There's plenty to see there. Just in general, not just the China Pavilion, but China Pavilion being my favorite. I mean, all over. I'll take photos of anything. I mean, I did one post on the staircase of the Animal Kingdom Lodge <laughs> that uh, leads down to Jiko and Boma. Sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. Of- I stayed there twice in the past couple of years, and mm-hmm. I know exactly where you mean. It's right uh, – it, like you pass – it's right near body of water, right? Like a little bit of uh, – am I yeah, right about that? If you're entering through the Jumbo House main entrance right. and you kind of walk toward – like into the lobby a bit, and then you head to your right. Right. And the staircase is there or the elevators. And you kind of walk down that winding staircase, and you have the lounge like halfway down. And- I know exactly where that where you mean. And then uh, you first, like, if you go down, Boma will be right in front of you, and Chico will be to the right. That's yeah, uh, no, exactly. Great, great place. By the way, the Boma Breakfast Buffet. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh-huh. Best breakfast buffet I've had at any hotel, and yeah. I've had many. I love that breakfast buffet. Have you had it? No, I've only had dinner there. I've dinner there twice. Twice? Yeah, twice. You got to try it. You got to go for breakfast. Some days they have this scrambled eggs with goat cheese, which Uh, sounds, some people may not like that, but I got to tell you, it's out of this world. Must do. And they, I think every day have this um, French toast bread pudding, which is delicious. It's insane. That actually sounds amazing. (laughs) French toast bread pudding. Now, have you had Ohana's bread pudding? I'm going to Ohana for the first time later this year. I've never been there before. 
Uh, so, okay. Yeah, because their bread pudding is absolutely delicious. It's, yes. it's my mom's favorite dessert in all of Disney World. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, that's a good recommendation right there. Yeah, that's, and, uh, and that, it comes a la mode, and she doesn't eat ice cream. So mm-hmm. then that's Wow. That's saying, you know, she just takes the ice cream off, and it's still great without it. You know, it's, wow. it's wonderful. That was a great little detour there, by the way. I always any any <laughs> yeah. any chance you have to talk about Disney food is a is a detour you have to take. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how we even ended up there, but <laughs> oh, you were saying about the Animal Kingdom Lodge, how you like the uh, I mean, taking the a picture of the staircase and that led to yeah. Boma. Yeah, <laughs> love that hotel, by the way. Love that that place. Uh, yeah, one of the best resorts just to stay at a resort if you're if you're not going to um, the parks, you know, or doing like a resort day. Yeah, you know that Saratoga Springs is pretty good with that too. If you like spas. I was at a conference in Orlando earlier this year and I chose not to stay at the conference hotel. The conference was outside of Walt Disney World. I stayed inside Walt Disney World at Animal Kingdom Lodge. So every day I would get up in this amazingly themed hotel, felt like Uh you were in Africa. It was so fun and so beautiful. And then I would leave to go to the conference, which was also at a nice hotel. It was nice. But then you would come back to the Animal Kingdom Lodge at night and it was just such a unique experience to have to be able to you know doing something for work and mm-hmm. then you're experiencing the animal kingdom lodge at the same time i'll never forget that trip that was that was awesome best conference ever best <laughs> best conference <laughs> ever uh antonio i wanted to ask you also um do you prefer the parks during the day or the evening wow okay that's a good question i never really thought of that openly do i prefer during the day or the evening hmm. probably the evening into the late night I think I prefer it. Okay. Um, and for many reasons. I mean, for photography reasons, the parks are, are just emptier and you can get some cool nighttime photos with that. And non-photography reasons, I mean, again, the parks tend to be emptier. Um, in Florida, especially not during the winter, it's a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and you'll get a break from that summer heat as well. Uh, some attractions just take a whole new dynamic mm-hmm. when it's nighttime. Splash Mountain, it's cool to see. Yes. Uh, if, you, if you time it right, You'll see, uh, I almost said wishes. You'll see Happily Ever After from right before the drop. You get a nice view there. Yes. Big Thunder Mountain feels like it's faster at night. <laughs> yes. I don't know. The things just seem to whiz by a little quicker. Uh, going to Animal Kingdom. I love how Animal Kingdom now has this whole nighttime experience ever since Pandora opened. Yeah. Pandora's a perfect example of how it transforms at night. Completely. Uh, Great example. Yeah. The, the lights, it, the glowing flora. Um, Toy Story Land is pretty cool to see at night as well. Yes. I've not done that yet, but I am eager to, to be there at night. I've done it during the day and it's cool during mm-hmm. the day. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I'd say, uh, nighttime is probably my preference. Okay. Uh, daytime obviously is great too, but <laughs> nighttime, it, it's just great to see how the park transforms. Are there some days where you'll go to a park and not even get on any attractions, but just take photos all day long? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, my again referencing back my uh actually you know what? i won't go to my july trip let's go i did a quick weekend trip mm-hmm. at the end of march this past march okay um with some main a couple of main objectives and those objectives were in my july trip i didn't get to go to the all-star resorts okay so i wanted some photos of those so i stayed at the uh all-star movies mm-hmm. and i can give a little tip with that if i get back to it but um <laughs> My sole purpose <laughs> there was to take photos of the all-star resorts as well as get some nighttime photos of Hollywood Studios because mm-hmm. I didn't really have many nighttime photos of Hollywood Studios. Right. And uh, they were having an after-hours event there on the night I was staying. So I was able to get a pretty empty park. With some oh, cool so you went to the after-hours for that. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and that's where I got some really nice photos of uh, Toy Story Land at night as well. Right. Um, yeah, I really didn't go on many rides I tried to go to four parks. I kind of did the four park challenge, but without attractions, <laughs> just photos. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I, I think the only attraction I went on uh, during the day was Pandora. Mm-hmm. I went to Flight of Passage, which is my favorite attraction, period. <laughs> but I went on Flight We're going to talk about that. We are going to yeah. get to that. <laughs> First thing in the morning, I went on Flight of Passage before I took any photos. And then once I got out of that attraction, it was just photography the whole way. Until uh, nighttime at Toy Story Land, mm-hmm. I went on Toy Story Mania about three times. <laughs> yeah, that's the benefit of the after hours. You get uh, those yeah, attractions. You know, I find it funny how uh, Epcot is the only park without after hours events. Mm-hmm. I know Epcot's 
the one the only park left that hasn't gone through like a major transformation and maybe that has something to do with it but i'm really interested in to see what epcot would look like in the dead of night like being midnight in epcot in future world for example i've been to that section when it's been quiet right towards mm-hmm. park closing sure. and the use of light there is phenomenal yeah and you pick up on details in the lights that you obviously can't see during the day because mm. the lights aren't on yeah. uh, I don't understand why they don't have the after hours events. I think that may change as the guardians coaster opens mm-hmm. and so forth, but it is, it, it does kind of stand out as an oddity that it doesn't have that. Uh, I would, I would love to, to go to an after hours at Epcot. Uh, yeah. So that's interesting. Good, good point. Disney, if you're listening <laughs> after hours, Epcot, please. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, uh, I, when it was just Magic Kingdom and then they announced Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom. Right. And my first thought was, oh, wow, for Epcot. <laughs> Where's Epcot? Yeah, where, where are they in this? Yeah. Antonio, I wanted to ask you another question here. Uh, given that you've been to Disney World so frequently, how have the parks changed for you over time? It's interesting. I kind of view the parks a little differently as I grew older mm-hmm. and as I went more and more. Uh, the main thing is, I guess, kind of, I'll call it stock, how the parks kind of up their stock or the stock lowered over time and kind of went up and down. So for example, and this kind of goes back to the, uh, the big transformations that's going on in Disney world right now, years ago, let's say like five, seven years ago, um, I would rank probably animal kingdom last on my list mm-hmm. in parks. Um, now that's nowhere near true. <laughs> I mean, with the opening of Pandora and it became in a literal sense, a full, a full day park now that you have nighttime experiences with rivers of light yes and uh tree of life awakening and all that animal kingdom has kind of upped its stock it became more of an appealing park yeah uh, how i viewed the parks overall has changed i love epcot but <laughs> just from a uh, i guess an unbiased view epcot could i could totally see epcot being ranked last amongst the parks just because mm-hmm. there's really not too much new with it yet I, obviously it's coming but i mean Magic Kingdom has new Fantasyland opening. Uh, we already discussed Animal Kingdom. Hollywood Studios just tore down half its park and built a, two new what's going to be in what is amazing areas. And uh, Epcot really hasn't and seen anything major yet. Again, it's coming. But as of right now, it could be ranked as amongst the bottom of the parks. Right. And sticking with Epcot, I remember when I was younger, Future World was probably my favorite place to be in, in all of Disney World. Mm-hmm. I loved Interventions. Interventions, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> nice. East and West, I loved them equally. I, I remember the little things like pulling on a rope, trying to break the TV with that hammer, if you remember. I, I don't remember that, but I know uh, many of our listeners will remember that. Yeah, yeah. And then they had like this waste management one where they teach you about recycling and proper waste disposal. It, it was educational too, which I enjoyed. Not yes. Not the purpose of Future World. And yeah, sure. Being a technology. I, I loved Future World. And then as I grew older, World Showcase grew more appealing. I uh, took interest in different cultures and I focused more on the food around Disney World and World Showcase is a mecca for for great restaurants, oh, you yeah. know, for different sure. cuisine. So it kind of transformed that. I could I can see the parks in a different light, and the parks themselves physically transformed to something you know completely different from yeah. the past decade. That's interesting. Uh, and your point about Epcot and World Showcase, I get it. It's like as anybody, whatever their interests are as a kid, as they get older. They become interested in more things. They have a greater appreciation of what's around the world, I think. And so little kids can have fun at World Showcase because of the Three Caballeros ride and now Frozen Ever After and all that stuff. But as you get older and you learn more about the world, uh, I think you can look at World Showcase in an entirely different way. It's interesting. Something I was thinking about as you were giving your answer is I I think for people – you're a little younger than me, but for people who have reached adulthood, let's say, (laughs) and you know, when you become an adult – your outlook on the world changes. You have more responsibilities. You're more aware of what's going on in the world, good and bad. I think the parks and Disney World as a whole, they become a place where you can sort of escape. It's that escapism that you get when you're in Disney World. For me, if I'm able to, as hard as this is, I try not even to check Twitter when I'm in Disney World. It's like when I'm there, <laughs> I even delete it from the front page of my iPhone. <laughs> I just Because uh, I just want that pure escapism. Uh, combined with, and like you said, the great appreciation of what's there as you get older. Now, Antonio, we've talked about this uh, a bit on the show tonight, but I wanted to ask you about Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I think we talked earlier about crowds already, so I want to ask you about about that again in our predictions. 
But <laughs> one of the things that I'm very curious about for you as a Disney photographer is how you plan to photograph Galaxy's Edge because it's going to be packed. It's going to be mobbed. One of the things that amazed me about the opening in Disneyland, even though they had these timed entries, which helped monitor and uh, control crowd flow, is that people were able to get these photos where they're in the front of the Millennium Falcon. It's like there's nobody else in the park. So uh, how do you plan to do that at Walt Disney World when Galaxy's Edge opens in August? Uh, I'm going back in October. So I'm hoping the crowds died down a little bit. Yes. <laughs> then um, a couple months after it opens. But they'll still have their uh, extra, extra magic hours going. Right. So uh, now with the extra, they have extra magic hours, you know, where the park opens about an hour earlier. Now they have extra, extra magic hours. Right. Um, you're staying, you're staying on right. property for that trip? Yes. And um, that's opening up at 6 a.m. now. I'm staying at the boardwalk. Oh, very so, cool. You're right there. You're right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally the closest resort <laughs> to Hollywood Studios. I'm, I'm waking up as early as I can. Uh, and I'm heading right out the door, not depending on any transportation. I'm just going to walk down to Hollywood Studios and hopefully be there like an hour before it opens. So my main plan of attack is to get there early so I can get in. Yes. And then the second, it's all about perspective and the angles. So I I think if I didn't want a lot of uh, people in the photos, sometimes crowd is good for the photos. It kind of brings in the atmosphere but um if i didn't want a lot of people in a particular photo you'll kind of see me take a photo at a little bit of a higher angle Mm -hmm. like literally just cropping them out (laughs) of of the photo when i'm taking it right uh other times for specific things literally just waiting in a particular spot for an opportunity i I can give an extreme example of that where i want to get a particular monorail pick let's say in epcot Mm -hmm. and i'm waiting for a monorail to come by just because i like <laughs> the view of it and how it's going to look when it comes by. So right. I'll, I'll be in the spot for like 20 minutes, <laughs> just waiting for that monorail for that one photo. Mm-hmm. I would imagine there'll be a lot of that for uh, particular spots, like the Millennium Falcon. I'm sure is going to be sure. That's going to be a nice, uh, <laughs> nice photo location. Yeah, quite the popular photo spot. Antonio, one more question for you. I wanted to ask: Do yeah. you ever, because you're at the park so much, and you, because yeah. you photograph so much? Do you ever say, you know what, today I'm going to leave my camera behind. I'm just going to enjoy the parks for what they are and go on the attractions. And if I want to take a picture, I'll use my, uh, what do you have, an iPhone? Is that the, <laughs> yeah, use your iPhone? Do you, ever, do you ever take that approach or do you always have your camera on you? Since I started the page a year ago, I've pretty much always had my camera on me. Mm-hmm. I, always, I don't want to miss an opportunity to take that photo. Like something's just take you by surprise. And yeah. uh, I can think of one example uh, in the japan pavilion when i was i was enjoying the the shop i always forget the name of the shop it starts with an m mitsukushi or something yes great store great store yeah and i was walking out the end that has that um little museum area with that works of art it has like a dorm room inside or whatever i know you're talking um, about sure yeah yeah and i was walking out and i noticed this angle that i've never really noticed before of spaceship earth from the Japan Pavilion, and I just kind of liked the way the whole pavilion was laid out around it. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, oh, this is nice. So I took on my camera and I snapped a few photos of it, and it came out really good. I don't want to miss opportunities like that. If need be, I'll take it with my iPhone. I mean, I have an iPhone Seven. It doesn't really have as good of a camera as sure. some of the newer ones. Right. More so, uh, I'll metaphorically leave the camera behind. I mean, it's still on my back, but I'll leave the camera behind um, when I'm with my family. Like if we're going together on a family trip, then we enjoy some more attractions uh, and the dining experiences, and I'll put it down and enjoy Disney for the way I'm, I'm more used to. Right. But uh, let's say 95 to 97 percent of the time, that camera is on my back or around my neck. Right. <laughs> that's know? cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's dedication to the uh, to the Instagram page right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I remember my big trip last July. I I came back home and I noticed on my shoulder from the shoulder strap it gave me this like almost looked like hives on my shoulder wow. <laughs> just from like the friction of me walking around with it all day. Yeah. I, that's, like, oh my <laughs> you, you really are dedicated. to the <laughs> page. Uh, Antonio, that I really enjoyed asking you these questions and, and hearing your answers. As I mentioned before, I love your page. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners, as I mentioned, it's Instagram at why we Disney W H Y W E Disney. Uh, so please follow Antonio there. And can you talk to us for a moment about your Etsy page? few weeks ago now, I opened up an Etsy page selling 
some photos that I enjoy. This is like the first batch. There's nine different photos I'm selling, uh, varying sizes, uh, 10 by 14, somewhere around that range mm-hmm. to like 20 by 30 ish, you know, 24 by 36 of different parts around the world. Some magic kingdom, uh, one of like crushing the art of animation, you know, it varies. Um, but yeah, I'm selling photos, frame photos, uh, my favorite canvas prints. Canvas it really makes awesome. uh, your room pop when you have the canvas print in there. I have four of my own in my own room. If you're interested, it's Etsy.com. You can find me on uh, Why We Disney Same. I believe the uh, actual address is Etsy.com slash shop slash Why We Disney. Mm-hmm. But if you search right on like Why We Disney Etsy on Google or something, uh, you'll find me right there. So yeah, the shop's a couple weeks old. If you're interested, go check it out. Yeah, no, I, I really uh, was excited to see that because one of the great things for Disney fans is that there's an abundance of stuff to buy, whether you're at the parks or your home and you want to decorate your home with Disney products. Your Etsy store allows you to bring the quality of your photos to the public in ways that they can use in their own house. So I would tell all of our listeners to, if they haven't already, follow you on Instagram, sign up for Etsy, favorite your store so that we can continue to see what prints you add to the selection. And for if you're a Disney fan, you want to purchase something for your house, it's a great place to go. But also for friends and family who are Disney fans, these photos will make great gifts uh, year-round. Uh, so if you have a friend who loves Epcot, get them the nice photos you have of Spaceship Earth on the store. If they're a fan of Splash Mountain, you have an unbelievably great Splash Mountain photo on the store, which I may very well purchase for uh, my house here. So uh, please, everyone, go check that that out. It's great stuff. Now, before we get into the Stuff We Love segment... We are going to do the traditional stuff they love segment that we do for all of our guests. Uh, this is an opportunity for tonight me to ask Antonio about some of his interests, both Disney and non-Disney. Uh, so here we go. Antonio, first question for you. What is your favorite movie? Hey, favorite movie. I have uh, two answers for that. Yes. The first one, my favorite film of all time just happens to be a Pixar film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, Inside Out. I, I love Inside Out. Uh, I was very emotional in the theater when I first saw it. It connected me with the character. I mean, Riley, she's dealing with uh, moving to San Francisco from Minnesota. And um, the story is about her and dealing with these huge changes. About a year before the movie came out, I had this huge change in my life that I was dealing with. And that movie kind of spoke to me in a Mm -hmm. way. So it it touched a special place in my heart. And plus, it was super enjoyable. It's a good movie. (laughs) It really is. Yeah, my non-Disney favorite film, and my favorite film before Inside Out came out was Troy. Troy, yep. Yeah, which That's... I absolutely love. Uh, Brad Pitt's portrayal of Achilles uh, is fantastic. I think I like Achilles as a character just because he he wanted to be like a legend. He wanted to be the best at what he was sure. and what he did. I, the, the director's cut's like three and a half hours long, and I would happily watch the entire three and a half hours. It's, wow. It's just so entertaining to me. Uh, Antonio, one question that just occurred to me before I continue with uh, the, the questions I already had in mind. One of the yeah. things we talk about a lot about on the podcast is how we consume media in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to movies, do you, do you buy DVDs? Do you purchase your movies digitally? How do you watch those films at home? I don't really buy the film. I mean, I'll wait till they come out on like Netflix or something. Right. I, I don't do much Blu-ray DVD purchasing. I kind of watch it in theaters. I do like to experience a movie in theaters because in my opinion, it's the way that I guess the filmmaker intended it to be watched. Sure. And there's an atmosphere there where you have the rest of the audience reacting the same way you're reacting or maybe a different way from you're reacting. Right. Um, watching in theater is enjoyable. Other than that, I would kind of wait till it goes on to a streaming service perhaps. <laughs> and the Disney yeah. Plus streaming service later this year is going to be great. Yes. Very yeah. excited for that. <laughs> Out of all of the news, I, I know this is going to sound crazy. Yeah. And I hope I don't lose subscribers for saying this. I am actually as excited for Disney Plus as I am for Galaxy's Edge. Okay? Are you? <laughs> I, I, uh, by the way, I, I, I may 10 seconds from now regret saying that. <laughs> I may be going through an internal crisis here on the podcast. But, but all I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. The, l- let me just leave it at this. Right. I am extremely, extremely excited for Disney Plus, not just for the original content that we're going to be getting. Mm, but yeah. I myself, you know, I, 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 in my home, I've been making a move away from physical media. You know, away from physical DVDs, physical CDs for music and all that stuff. I love the idea of a Disney-based streaming service, especially because 
we know there's going to be right from the start tons of content on there film wise. I just am so excited about that. But uh, now that I think about it, I'm more excited for that at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> I, I'm excited for both. Okay, let's just leave it at that. I, I, I can't wait for both. We'll, we'll say you're passionate about it. Let's say that you're very. <laughs> that's right. That's very right. Excited. <laughs> I got to calm yeah. down. My blood pressure is spiking probably. But. Um, <laughs> Next question for you. Tell me about your favorite music genre and any uh, particular favorite musician or band. Well, I'm I'm not super big on music. I mean, I listen to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I'm not like a huge I guess music fan. I do enjoy like ambient music mm-hmm. or what they say like epic. I guess would be a genre I really sure. know, which is kind of the music you hear in trailers for films and whatnot. Right. So uh, my favorite group. They're not really a band, but it's it's more of a production company, Audio Machine. Audio Machine, okay. Yeah, and uh, you may be familiar with some of their uh, songs or their work with the Infinity War, and uh, I'm blanking out the name uh, of the sequel, Infinity War Part Two. <laughs> End- Endgame? Endgame, thank you. Oh yes. my gosh, <laughs> I forget that name. Yeah, uh, they for the trailers, they used uh, Audio Machine's music for both Infinity War and Endgame's trailer. Right. I, I enjoy I tend to enjoy music that doesn't contain lyrics and I think the reason why is because sometimes I feel like lyrics although they do bring out the message that the artist intended they limit me uh, to my interpretation of the song sure sure so yeah uh, when I listen to this type of music more ambient music I can my it allows my mind to wander wherever I like wherever the music takes me and it lets my imagination run wild and <laughs> I think it's fantastic. You know, I, I love that answer, Antonio. Uh, and uh, I think anybody who listens to music without words can understand what you mean. Uh, you know, for me personally, one genre of music that I've gotten into recently is a genre that's called exotica. And what that refers to is music that, f- from what I understand, originated in sort of the South Pacific, kind of 1950s, 1960s lounge type music. Mm-hmm. And I came to be a fan of that actually through Disney. It's the type of music you might hear playing in the background at the Polynesian. At, it's, it's that type of genre music. And I actually had a fellow Disney fan point out to me that it was called Exotica. So on my Apple Music, I did a search for Exotica, Tiki Bar Music. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's just like you say, you know, there's no words, at least not in the vast majority of the songs. And yeah. you're not limited to an interpretation in a way. You're kind of free to let your mind take you where, <laughs> where your mind wants to go in terms of listening to the music. So I get that. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, speaking of music, some of my favorite music around Disney World is Epcot's music. Oh yeah, I think it's just fantastic. Uh, also, the music they played before Illuminations. Yes, yeah, I, I always loved. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. The park music is great. Uh, one mm. of the things I love nowadays is the uh, availability of many uh, apps for your phone, uh, tablet, of all just Disney park music. You can mm-hmm. even ask your Amazon Echo to play Magical Mouse Radio being one of them, for example, <laughs> and you hear the park music. So that's cool. That's great. So going back now to Disney with these questions, your favorite Disney yeah. resort? Favorite Disney resort? Uh, Yacht and Beach Club. Okay. Specifically Beach Club. I've nice. never technically stayed at Yacht. Okay. But since my family's DVC, there's no really DVC area of Yacht Club. Right. So I don't really see us staying there anytime in the near future. But um, best part about that location I love the Epcot area resorts. Totally. It's smack dab in the middle of property, like overall. So no park is really too far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Epcot and Hollywood Studios, short boat ride or walking distance. Um, literally, Beach Club, especially from the DVC area, the walk from the DVC area to the back entrance of Epcot is shorter than the walk from Contemporary to Magic Kingdom. Amazing. Which, I didn't know yeah. that. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's amazing. A, that's how close it is. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's just super convenient. And um, now that the Skyliner is coming in, I mean, that area will be a little more accessible. But yes. uh, <laughs> I, I know my, uh, some, some people don't really like how the Skyliner is now making that entrance a little less private. <laughs> so now we're going to have a little more crowds there in the back entrance. But that's all right. I'm fine with that. My two big Disney <laughs> but, questions uh, for 2019. One, what will the Galaxy's Edge crowds be like? And two, how are the Skyliners going to work without air conditioning? That is, <laughs> I really want to know. I really okay. want to know. Yeah, I, I tend to trust Disney with these things. I, I remember uh, when they said no air conditioning, like when the word was out, no air conditioning. Yes. That frightened me <laughs> a bit. Sure. Uh, sure. Naturally, especially in the middle of summer and you're just sitting there in a hot box, just <laughs> swinging through the air. But um, it is ventilated. I, I really want to try these out because I really want to know 
how ventilated it actually is. I'm glad to see some of the Skyliners now, the gondolas are uncovered in their yes. testing. So uh, you can kind of see how they can open up the vents, what seems like a, a pretty good amount because some of the windows were kind of like opened up so air can pass by. Right. I'm hoping that's enough. I trust Disney that in their testing they found it was enough. Yes. That they're not just sitting in a hot box since the gondolas are constantly moving so you get the wind flow. Antonio, what's your favorite Disney park? Hands down, Epcot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know earlier I said it's understandable if someone were to rank Epcot on the bottom in an unbiased way. I, I guess I would kind of agree with that to an extent. Disney food has become a a really enjoyable part of my vacation. Yes. And there's no better array of options than World Showcase. You know, I'm, I'm a very adventurous eater, so I'm okay with pretty much any cuisine. Nice. And uh, Have you been so, to Food and Wine Festival? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> food and Wine's amazing. The amount of booths, and, and it keeps growing and growing. It, all the activities, and Food and Wine, probably my favorite festival in Epcot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's my favorite. Flower and Garden is pretty nice, too. But yeah, Food and Wine, with all the food booths, it just the amount that you can eat. I... I I can't eat at all the booths on one vacation. No. That, that's one of the times I wish I lived down there is just so I could visit every so often, just try each booth. I've thought about that. And the Swan and Dolphin food, uh, food and Wine Classic looks always great. So from what I've seen on YouTube, the footage of it. Uh, Antonio, your favorite Disney attraction. You mentioned earlier it's Flight, Flight of Passage, but tell us Flight why. Yes. So Flight of Passage is unlike any other attraction that I've experienced in any other theme park, amusement park. Mm-hmm. that I've ever been to. It, I remember when I first went on that ride and I just happened, my family happened to go to Disney World. Uh, we arrived a couple days after Pandora opened. So mm-hmm. it was super packed. It's crazy. <laughs> but uh, Flight of Passage just completely blew us away. It, w- it was insane. I mean, people were getting off, including myself, getting emotional. It felt like you were there. So you're riding on this banshee and it is a completely immersive experience. It's like Soren, but a step up. It's it's a more technologically advanced Soren. So you sit down in this motorcycle like contraption and they strap you in. Yes. And you put on these goggles and at first you're sitting in front of a wall and you're a little confused and you're looking to the person to your left, to your right, and you're like, Okay, what's about to happen? We're kinda of just sitting in front of this wall and then the whole thing just opens up in front of you. And you get transported onto Pandora. Absolutely, and and it's it's just breathtaking. You you feel the banshee beneath you. You could feel it breathing beneath you. It's it's such an intimate experience, and unlike anything I've ever experienced, it's it's an amazing ride, and I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. The only one I wouldn't recommend to motion sickness try to sit on one of the edge seats. It's so, good advice. Good yeah, advice. If you request. Uh, an edge seat to a cast member, they'll know what you're talking about. It's probably, I think it's like numbers 1, 8, 9, and 16. Just okay. So you'll have a wall next to you, so you'll have a little bit of a, a break. You can kind of just look to your right. Sure. You, know, you get a little queasy. Um, That's good advice. Yeah, but it's, it's a wonderful attraction and totally worth the wait. I, I literally waited. I've been on it so many times, and in my trip in March, I literally waited an hour and a half again just to ride it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. You, you should definitely do an after-hours event at the Animal Kingdom. Because you you could get on multiple times to that attraction. Uh, when there's been times when I'm on flight of passage and I will literally just start laughing while I'm on the ride, just with joy. <laughs> it's like I can't believe this is real. I can't believe I'm I'm doing this right now. It's so fun. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, uh, it's a great attraction. And Antonio, my last question for you tonight: Your favorite Disney restaurant? Okay, so this could change by the week, <laughs> but uh, my my answer for now, I'm gonna say Ohana. Okay, and. Uh, it's a family favorite as well. We've been tons of times. Uh, Ohana, it, the food is delicious, and they keep it coming. So it's like a family-style restaurant, all you care to eat. Mm-hmm. They start you off with a whole platter of starters. And, and starters are actually my favorite part. It's not even the main course. The, the starters are my favorite part, <laughs> which is weird. But uh, they have these delicious noodles. and Dumplings are one of my favorite things in all of Disney World. It's just delicious. And then after the starters, they just come with skewers and skewers of meat. You get nice. the steak and the chicken and the shrimp, and it just keeps coming and coming. And before you know it, your, your stomach's like pressing up against the table. <laughs> That's okay. And 
yeah, they, they come with more and more, and you're like, okay, I'm, this is this is enough, no more. But it, it's so good. During Happily Ever After, they'll pipe in the music, and you can see the fireworks if you're nice. by the window. Super popular spot. Advanced Reservation is not only recommended, but pretty much mandatory. Yeah, I would definitely say that's my favorite. Other top ones, Jico. Okay. I love Jico. Well, you're an adventurous eater, you said, so that's perfect for you. Yeah. And in October, I'll be trying out Flying Fish, which I'm excited for. Okay. Yeah, Flying Fish had a change in the uh, head chef not mm-hmm. too long ago as well. I haven't personally been there myself since it was Spoodles, if you remember. I don't remember that, but... Uh, yeah, that's, Spoodles yeah. was like this kind of Italian pizza place. I mean, they still have the pizza window there, but uh, yeah, I remember uh, when I was a kid, they allowed me to toss around the dough a bit, which was cool. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just thought of this because we're talking about the boardwalk area. I remember going to Disney World when the Atlantic Dance Hall was a fully operational nightclub, it seemed, every <laughs> night of the week. And uh, I remember being there on, I guess it was a family trip. And I must have been there alone. I, I don't I don't remember the details, but I went up to a, a girl that was there to start talking to her, and she completely blew me off and turned away. <laughs> so. Oh, no. <laughs> Story of my life until I got married. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, Antonio, listen, I, I really uh, – I'm so glad you were on the show tonight because uh, I, I feel like I enhanced my own appreciation for Disney World just talking to you this evening. And uh, I, I can't wait to see what posts you're coming out with in the future. You know, we've had on – many Disney Instagram photographers and I'm a fan of every single one. And one of the exciting things for us as the podcast hosts and for our listeners is to see how the photographers continue with their pages and what makes each page unique. And for you, your page is just remarkable. So I'm very excited to see what content you release soon and to hear about your upcoming trips. It's going to be uh, very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited to see what I come with too, because <laughs> uh, lately it's been day by day. Like there are a lot of days where I would wake up in the morning Mm-hmm. And I literally do not know what I'm about to post. Like I, I have no idea, and I normally post in the evening. But uh, originally, when I first started, I thought like, okay, the challenge is going to be how do I not run out of stuff to talk about. And lately, it's been okay. I have so many things to talk about. Yes, you know, it, it, there's so much to do at Disney World, uh, and so many new things. The constant changes. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. Let's talk about some stuff we love. So we're going to turn now to the Stuff We Love segment. This is where uh, tonight Antonio and I will be giving you a recommendation. Could be an app we're enjoying, uh, music we're listening to, movies we've seen and recommend. So Antonio, you're our guest this evening. Please start us off. What is something you love right now? Well, my favorite show is Black Mirror. Okay. Hands down Black Mirror. I love Black I don't know if you watch Black Mirror. I don't, which is crazy because I'm a fan of... Twilight Zone, which I know draws a lot of comparisons to, and I, yeah. it's it's been such a presence. I know Miley Cyrus was in a notable episode this season. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, go ahead, continue um, with the uh, yeah. So saying. Black Mirror specifically, uh, their new season came out, season five, mm-hmm. which I'm okay with. In honest opinion, like it was fine. Uh, I enjoyed season four a bit better, okay. but specifically episode two, Smithereens, mm-hmm. I think is a wonderful episode, and actually. Unlike many Black Mirror episodes that take place in the future, this one actually takes place in 2018, which I find was a nice change of pace. Right. Uh, That's one you should definitely check out. But if you are looking or interested in seeing Black Mirror as a new viewer, uh, I'll give the same suggestion that I was given. Uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Nosedive, is a great place to start. That's when uh, Netflix took over the series. Mm -hmm. Uh, Originally, I think it was BBC. But uh, yeah, season three, episode one. Uh, the great thing about Black Mirror, you, you can watch it in any order you want. Each story is independent. I was going to ask you about like that, but that's, that's yeah. good. That's good. There's no continuous storyline. I mean, some episodes may reference another a little bit, but there's nothing. There's no prerequisites you need before watching any uh, particular episode. But yeah, season three, episode one, Nosedive is an excellent place to start. Okay, uh, very cool. Best one for season five is episode two, in my opinion, definitely. Is that the Miley Cyrus one? Uh, no, Miley Cyrus is uh, episode three. Okay. And honestly, that's my least favorite of the bunch. Okay, okay. <laughs> Definitely don't start with that one if you're a new viewer because it's not really Black Mirror-esque. You don't okay. really get the feel of Black Mirror on that one. But it's it's nice. I, it, it's not like I just like the episode, but it's, Understood. it's not Black Mirror-esque. So that's not a good one to start with, but it's a fine one to watch. Well, thank you for that. That's a great recommendation. Appreciate yeah. that. Uh, My Stuff We Love segment this week is the new Bruce Springsteen album. It's called Western Stars. It came out last Friday. Uh, When this album was announced, it was stated that uh, the album would be, or I should say was inspired by 
many of the famous musicians from the 1960s, 1970s, uh, like Glenn Campbell, uh, Jimmy Webb, the songwriter. And uh, I have to tell you, tell you, it's a great album. It's not an E Street Band album, although Bruce is joined by his wife and Patty Scalfa and Susie Tyrell, both of whom are in the E Street Band. But it mostly is an acoustic sounding album with a good string accompaniment on many of the tracks. They're great stories that kind of harken back to the American West. Uh, I happen to really like it. It's gotten great reviews across the board for the mo- well, not entirely across the board, but for the most part, great reviews. Uh, and I happen to be a big fan of it. I've listened to it a few times since it came out. So that's Western Stars by Bruce Springsteen. Another recommendation I could have given, speaking of new music, I love the new Jonas yeah. Brothers album, Happiness <laughs> Begins, which is, I, I got to tell you, is a great album, too. We we love it all on the Stuff We Love podcast. We, we love it all. Um, I remember a few episodes back, we talked about Ariana Grande and Frank Sinatra in like a span of five minutes. So we, we listen to everything. <laughs> what a variety. Um, but uh, Jonas Brothers album also is another Stuff We Love recommendation. I'm a big fan of that album as well. Uh, so anyhow, uh, that takes us to the end of this episode. Uh, before I turn it over to Antonio again to tell us again where he can, we can find him online, let me tell our listeners where you could find out about the Stuff We Love podcast. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram Stuff We Love Podcast. Our website is www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. Uh, you can write to it, write to us at stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. Please leave those good five star reviews on iTunes. It makes it easier for new listeners to discover our show. And if you haven't done so already. Please subscribe to our podcast. We're available on all podcast platforms, and uh, the show has grown tremendously in the past year, and we want to keep that up. Antonia, one more time, where can our listeners find you on Instagram? And Etsy. And Etsy. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you can find me on Instagram, again, at WhyWeDisney. That's W-H-Y-W-E Disney. Twitter, same thing, at WhyWeDisney. Facebook, WhyWeDisney. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do too much. I really don't do much on Facebook, but I do... Uh, post my uh, Instagram photos. I share them both to Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have an Instagram, you could see it on either one of those platforms. But Instagram is really where the party's at. That's <laughs> where all the, the engagement's going on if you want to engage with other followers. As well as my Etsy page. Again, I believe the exact address is etsy.com slash shop slash YBDisney. Mm-hmm. If not, you can search on Etsy YBDisney or Google YBDisney Etsy and it'll pop right up. Very cool. Thank you, Antonio. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Uh, We wish you a good week and weekend. Uh, I'll go around the table here. I'm Scott. I'm Antonio. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.